Good evening, good evening. Let's get right into it. You know that growl indicates it's time for another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? Doing well today. It's kind of agitated, but I'm doing okay. Doc's here to come, keep me calm and keep me in my place. Yeah, Beautiful. you need to do that. The, the time frame that you look at, you know what they say about agitators, particularly if you're from the state of Alabama. Well, you know, in the 60s, you know, in Louisiana, they don't, they don't treat you too, too well either now. Cold words, but I don't know what else. Be <laughs> Some of y'all, if you're old enough, you remember. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm coming in here with mixed emotions to be straightforward with you. I'm excited on a lot of new things that are moving forward with me. I'll get it out the way uh, to start off the podcast. Uh, for those that particularly um, have a respect for HBCU in regards to the uh, HBCU sports thing. I asked for if you would, for lack of better words at this time. I am launching the new show on KCOH 1230. For those that cannot listen to it uh, terrestrial, you can go to the internet site. What's the word again, Doc? What's that word? Terrestrial? What was that? <laughs> That's the land, right? Land, right? I'm let that go. www.kcohradio.com. We are in the midst of launching the inaugural weekly Tuesday HBCU Sports Show led by Dr. Gaville. Ryan McGinty will be involved as well as Michael Washington. Uh, it will be to provide you with HBCU news, particularly on the sporting context. It will do a review of the games from the previous week, a preview for the week games coming up. We will start next Tuesday from 7 to 8, KCOH Radio. And so I'm excited about that opportunity to bring that to you. So uh, please, for all those that are HBCU supporters out there, those that support the work I do, follow me on social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cleville. Um, I've gained a great deal of Twitters with my focus on uh, Ferguson. Uh, obviously, in a lot of ways, that's a negative component, but it's real. Uh, many of us have dealt with that in our various ways. And um, while there may be some individuals that see it, Whatever way on the continuum, when you look at that, it's a real part of America, and it's something that we have to deal with. But to contextualize that and see why I connected with sports, I'll tell you from this component to provide you that historical framework that we sometimes do with the show in regards to that. For those that understand the HBCU cultural heritage that I pride myself in trying to understand from a historical reference, is the fact that it is an empowerment framework. It is associated with, I believe, are three multi-level major paradigms, racial pride, cultural expression, and black masculinity. They are often expressed through the lens of sports, competitions such as what now will be coming up this year in HBCU X, which creates a pan-African type of movement because that classic will be played in the Bahamas, in the Caribbean, uh, from that standpoint. But you say, what do you mean by this connection? And you brought up this term, Ferguson, and what does it have to do with sports? 
the framework I'm looking at is first of all, you had a intriguing amount of HBCUs, particularly with freshmen, that a lot of people don't necessarily see young people involved in movements of whatever kind uh, from that standpoint. And while you have the mass media coverage, just as they should, and creating a framework which they believe to be the truth, you have this framework that is coming from social media, which now some people are referring to as the black social media. And it reminds me of the hip-hop song when they talk about uh, (laughs) that it won't be televised. Well, I guess they understood that, no, it might not be televised, but it sure will be broadcast on social media platforms. And although some of those do have pictorial pictures, so in some ways maybe it will be televised, but it will be done through social media in terms of changes. But the way I say that is, unfortunately, I may see this from a different modicum that other people have, and maybe that's just the relationship that I have in life. Uh, But one thing, imagery that I've seen, and I believe for many, the imagery and the comments by the occupied people and then militarized police reminds me of the historical stories often recounted of the race riots by European-American lynch mobs in Tulsa, Rosewood, in small African-American townships around America in the early 1900s, which also often resulted in the proclamation of martial law by the European-American authorities, suggesting the problem often was escalated by outside agitators. And that's why I kind of push your terminology to understand where I'm tying it in. Unfortunately for some, it led to imprisonment, assassination, and execution, ultimately to the death, and oftentimes that was done by lynching, to be frank with you, of African Americans. So the lens is some people may see this uh, that do not study history, or this may not be a part of their life, and they may see that's old American history. When you think about Dred Scott coming out of Missouri in those mm-hmm. landscapes, there's a huge tie, and that's not even the social components when you look at the fact that the there's a professor that just recently released a study looking at the deprivation of the educational components. And again, how does that play into sports and athletics from that framework? Well, to be frank, the imagery and sound of Ferguson surrounding the social, historical, and social political issues played on television and newspapers, and now social media creates a framework. And you even have the national players uh, from Washington. Uh, team that is his own controversial we'll talk about a little later making a statement so in a lot of ways it does play into sports and then you ask yourself you know how to how do african americans of this age because this gentleman uh was the age of what my freshman will be coming into my class this week and part of my lecture uh how do athletes of color deal with this and how do athletes that are not of color deal with this? And how do you create that cohesion in a part of the land that is not obviously cohesive and feel that they've been desperate treatment? So I want to kind of share that framework before we went into the lighter side of what we do as we celebrate our accomplishments of where we went uh, or where we go. It was a need to speak out, and, and I appreciate you giving me the voice to kind of have a voice for us in regards to this. 
Uh, you closed the last podcast that was really important in regards to your frustration as a person that's been in the media quite longer than I have. And I could tell your empathy, your compassion, your frustration, in a lot of ways, in some ways, your anger in regards to what you perceive uh, was a constitutional right that was being deprived of individuals. And what did that mean? People don't don't necessarily understand. Not is it only about the right for somebody to be able to be in the media and provide that lens, but what does it mean for those that feel that they can create an environment where they chase out the media? I mean, what are you doing to a standpoint where you feel the need to even eradicate media in regards to what you're taping or saying? That brings some additional concerns on a civil rights level that is bigger than what we can discuss in this podcast. But to close, as we move on to uh, what we would hope would be a lighter side of the world, not saying it's more or less important, but it's the work that we do, I wanted to bring to that. And so I I thank you for giving me a voice uh, for those that many believe that they're voiceless. And I think that's come some of the concerns that you're seeing with your frustration from those that do the traditional civil rights movement versus those that have not even been connected. The final piece that I will tie that I'm not sure if people have seen through the lens, if you really study the civil rights movement, it was ushered in a product of a lot of college students and particularly HBCU college students. Again, making that tie because I think it's important versus what you see in the crowd are a lot of individuals that not only are college-bound necessary, while some of them are because the individual himself that that died, Mike Brown, uh, was enrolled in college himself, but some of them are not. And so it's hard to create that framework where you say that they need to do this in a certain way. They are so disenfranchised and you've told them that their life doesn't matter. How can you tell them to act in a way that their life should matter? You already told them it doesn't. So they're going to act in that aggressive manner. With that, a bigger announcement, Chris, is the fact that members of THC agency that are partners with me have given us the okay. And I'm excited about that. Our first official support uh, in regards to them believing in me, which means they believe in us. Yes, sir. Supporting us. Every day. In regards to what we're trying to accomplish, providing a voice that is, you know, in a lot of ways unique and different, that is not out there, but providing meaningful conversation in regards to subjects that I believe people have an interest in and want to hear in a voice. So, again, THD has become official sponsorship. And I know you'll go in greater detail about that. This is a consulting company that looks at educational administration as well as sports management. They do data analysis. I happen to be the president and CEO, but like any good manager, I didn't feel comfortable about putting funds uh, into a project without getting the support of the rest of the people in the organization. And they did the research. They did the numbers of what we're driving on the Internet. Uh, what you're doing in regards to the work you're doing with uh, your website, the Houston Round Ball Review. They looked at what you're doing in regards to your reports and videos 
and they felt very strong that this is something that could drive sales and support that. So they're on board, and as a member of that organization, I say thank you and let you know uh, that we're ready to continue to support. Are you looking for business strategies and services in the areas of sports management, educational leadership, and project management for your sports camps, AAU teams, local business, or athletic department? Well, you come to the right place. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated sports entertainment, educational leadership, and project management consulting company focused on sports leadership and educational administration with six areas of consulting expertise, sports business management, educational sports assessment, data analysis, educational curriculum development, advanced leadership execution, and statistic solution consulting. Our services are well-defined but tailor-made for our clients we represent. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. And we are grateful for the support. Truly so. Truly so. And listeners, I, I told you it was coming. I told you it was we were getting it done. Time, matter of time. time. So thank you to THG Agency, onward and upward. And thank you for their support. And you can go uh, check out what they do. I gave you a little tidbit of and taste of, of the work that they do. And I'm. Glad to have them a part of our podcast and onward and upward. Fellas, last podcast, you got to soften it. We were right critical <laughs> of the Houston Texans performance in their first. Well, I'm not game. apologizing. It was justified, though. I will not apologize. Heard it to nothing. I'm not apologizing. By a better I team. I don't think you should apologize. And, and, and I have a credit. problem with them giving up one touchdown but from to what their I saw. Credit, they bounced back. Right. This past weekend, they and gave up a touchdown. The Atlanta Falcons, thirty-two to seven, who they gave uh, up a clearly, touchdown. well, apparently, hard knocks is just. I don't know how many. It's we, like the Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Cause I don't know how many teams who have participated in hard knocks have gone on to have successful seasons. We we'll probably do some research that research on that and find out. But the Falcons looked just horrible. The te- the Texans played well. Yes, they did. But. Davion Clowney played well. Defense played well. Ryan Fitzpatrick did not look terrible. But. They did well on special teams. They, they did well in all three phases of the of football. But. But the Falcons looked like trash. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they really I did. Yeah, people were thinking that they were going to be a bounce back this year. But if preseason is any indication of what they have to look forward to, um, the Atlanta Falcons are on a downward slide real fast, and they're going to have a hard time, obviously not just winning the division, but even finding a way to make the playoffs. And Steven Jackson, he's Mr. Olympia physically, like a just tremendous physical shape. Yep. Hamstring problems, leg problems. Yep. You know, soft, soft tissue problems, as Stefania Bell from ESPN described it as, his injuries and you know, if, if he can't go, that, that really lessens their effectiveness on offense, what they want to do, yeah. be more of a balanced, a balanced attack. I think that's the, that trend of those running backs. They run them. That, that too. So, so, so many carries. carries and, yeah. and, I, and it doesn't matter how well it seems they take care of their body in regards to physical output, but you just take so much punishment as a running back. 
Um, it just seems that at some point your body just no longer is have the ability to, to retain the muscle movements and fight off injury. And that's and, and that's a weekend and wild, week out basis wildcat, during, wildcat. The, during the season. Yeah, you 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 were poo pooing the Texans giving up the seven points to the Falcons, but correct me if I'm wrong. Mr. Watt didn't play, right? No. So uh, I mean, Brian Cushing didn't play. Correct. Yeah. Then you're talking on offense, you know, Arian Foster and Andre Johnson didn't play. Didn't expect them to. But defensively, Wildcat, if you don't have the man, J.J. Watt play, hey. They gave up a touchdown. You're a hard man to please, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are a hard, hard man to please. the wrong league to think that you can get shut out. You know, man. you are hard. I think that was more an indictment of the Texans getting shut out on the offensive side than it is the fact that the defense should be providing shutouts regularly in this league. Well, I'm not asking for them to – Provide shutouts on a regular basis, but that gummit. But keep them. So up. are you saying it's not <laughs> that they gave up a touchdown? It's the particular touchdown they gave up. There you go. And I wasn't happy about it because didn't you say in a? We all said in the last podcast that we didn't think they win more than four games. And Vegas, right? Well, yeah. And I still. You stick to that. Yeah. I stick to mine too. <clears throat> and Vegas has them at at seven at, at seven plus now. After, I mean, that numbers are changing on a weekly basis only because of folk, what they what they see. That's where the money goes. So you know, but you know, goes. you, you yeah. got to have somebody betting on them on a regular basis. Sure. But right now, they just hadn't showed uh, that they have a. Well, I take that back. I, I'll phrase it this way: This upcoming weekend against Denver, against Denver, in Denver, in Denver, we'll find out because apparently yesterday morning's practice. Of combination, young Mr. Payton one so they they, oh, yeah. they, they, the they got after me. Texas defense, they got after me. Uh, kicked the Broncos. And he kept offense. saying they got but, after me yeah. this morning. They worked me this morning. Oh. I wasn't happy about that. Well, as we and, saw, and, and, that's, and, and, and Doc, yeah. that, that as, look on your face yeah. that says it all. What's going? You know, sad that we're going to find listeners out. Know, yeah. Listeners know, listeners know who watched the Super Bowl. The Seahawks defense manhandled the Broncos. Yeah. Front line, front front line, offensive line. Oh yeah, yeah. So, without a question, the Texans can get after. We know the Texans have at least one side if they if you line up Watt and Clowney on the same side, that side is going to be set to get after the quarterback. But we'll mm-hmm. see in the game this preseason game number three because this is like a lot of sports writers, football writers say game three of the preseason. Yep. Week three, I should say. Week three is the dress rehearsal. Yes. So the starters are expected to play up to three quarters. So we'll start to so get we'll a better picture. Yeah. Get a better idea of At least, uh, the how first good or how bad you are. In the second half. So we'll see. So we'll see how Peyton Manning handles the uh, front pressure or the pressure from the front four of the Texans on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see because the Texans secondary is still weak. And the Broncos have enough weapons on offense to exploit that. Given they, Peyton, if they give Peyton enough time, he's going to work for the secondary. And I don't know who... Said it was okay to put that group back there, you know, like it is right now. It went cheap. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a, a lot of teams are doing that these days. They're going to pay for it, too. You know, but that literally, group. Not, I mean, well, not figuratively, not literally. That group scares me. To, it scares <laughs> not, me. Not paying. Because. Money. Right. <laughs> the starters 
the two deep depth behind them, the next two guys at each position behind them, that group scares me because I don't see anybody stepping out, not one guy stepping out beyond that and saying, okay, I'm going to take ownership of this and I'm going to do what I got to do to get this done. Well, I think it goes back to week one where we saw, and we can't just treat either one of these as aberration and choose that one describes the Texans. I think your concerns are very well stated because they're obvious in what you've seen, what took place week one. They were able to hide it a little more in week two uh, to that point. But as good as you should be in terms of your front line and maybe in terms of your linebackers, you're questioning on your backside. And so you're going to have to find a way to hide that defensive lapse in terms of your one-on-one skill set. So I think you're going to have to run some creative defenses uh, to hide what you've lost in terms of the backside of your defense and hope that by hiding it that you can confuse the offense to some degree, which will give you what you benefit and what you think you're strong with your front line uh, to make the offensive side kind of rush get in some sacks here and there, uh, you know, deflect some balls. If you can do that enough over a course of a game, maybe you can put yourself in a position uh, to win some games. But offensively, the concern you have is to give your defense some breaks, and you're going to have to run the ball. It's obviously that they're not really probably going to be able to pass the ball with any type of proficiency that will help the defense. Yeah, consistently, that's going to be a question. Right. and. If you can't be a Peyton Manning where you're least proficient enough where you put in a point where you can give theoretically give your defense some rest by the points you put up, or even if you score quite a bit, you know, you're still putting them in a position where the other team's coming behind. Uh, with the Texans, I think you have major problems. You gotta run the ball. And with Aaron Foster, you know, where is he at? I from his ability, where is he at mentally? And when I say mentally, I don't mean to guess his it's hard, but this is a different intellectual individual. His 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 mindset in terms of some people just playing through pain and things of that nature to tear up your body. I think he just doesn't have that disposition, and I'm not saying there's something wrong. No, with that. no, he 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 can deal with our football. You know, I mean, he he is diverse enough in his intellect, interests right. that. You know, football is not his. Is a way to me. Yeah, it's not his everything. You know, he does not live, eat, sleep, eat, breathe, drink football. So, take that for what it's worth. And he's coming off an injury as well. So, he reached a point that he decides, I'm, I want to walk. I want to be able to do. Exactly. You know, so it would shock me if he does a Robert Smith. And I want to be careful and make leaps. From my opinion, I'm not sure. I'm not saying it's his heart. I think it's just a different, different yeah. position. Yeah. Sure. Guy. But let's, real no, quick, I, I, I'm going to ask I, you about Case Keenum and uh, Tom Savage. I think Case's days as a Texan are numbered. Only because he's not Bill O'Brien's guy. And that's and, and that's the way I look at it the same way. I, I, I see that coming just just because of that. That's just the, uh, he's not his guy, and he hasn't, unfortunately for him, him, he hasn't showed enough to even give somebody that doesn't think he's a guy at least a second call. Right. Sure. Um, and if this is not your guy, you got to at least give him a pause. I don't think he's done that. And he's still adjusting to being up under the center because he's done his quarterback life, you know, it's been three to five steps back already, sitting and waiting and watching. But 
The NFL is becoming, is evolving into more quarterbacks right. taking snaps in shotgun formation, or at least the three yards, five yards back, so they can see the whole field. And, and the quicker offenses, the fast break offenses that we see more and more in the NFL. But Casey is not just into that either. Right. But see, the other thing, too, with that is something that was mentioned from day one. You got to have not so much the, uh, the the head coach, but you got to have that offensive coordinator that understands that that spectrum of what the quarterback does and sees from from that yardage. Uh, so they, uh, right now the Texans doesn't have that, and he had, and he and since he's been in the league, he hadn't had that type of of a uh, uh, yeah, so quarterback coach. Essentially, where you're getting to is not only is he not necessarily. The coach is O'Brien's guy, but he also, in terms of the system, he really doesn't fit the system. Right, right. This is a double nail game. Right. And the perfect example is where Sanchez was in uh, uh, New York. With, the, with New York. Yeah. Now with Philadelphia, he's looking different. He's looking better. Yeah. And great point. Great example. It, you know, he's starting he, to flourish. Yeah, this is so, people are questioning: Could he find a way to stay in the league? Right. right. Yep. Well, now exactly. you fit him in a system that uh, that suits his skills. Yep. And, and his skill set is yeah. his strengths. Yeah. They, and and my last point: This morning, Cleveland made a decision because it for week bu- one goes Brian Hoyer. For week I, one, I think it's going to go to up to. Uh, four the, five. The, the, to when they, when, 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 when they go to that open, up to that And I think the only reason that's happened is because, one, he didn't apply himself during the offseason. Manziel. I agree. And two, he hadn't showed the maturity, not so much from the player's standpoint, but from the coach. Can I trust this guy to get the keys? Right. And, I, and, I, and, I agree and with that, but I also think you, Take away some of the credit from the standpoint making that move from college to high school is such a large jump in in terms of any position, particularly the quarterback position. I think if you're not careful, and this is not to say that I don't mean Manziel shouldn't have, shouldn't have been doing the things he did in terms like, uh, of dedicating himself to the game to, to the NFL, not, not right. Not. But from that framework, I just think. Any rookie quarterback is going to have major problems in trying to learn the quarterback sure. position in the playbook. Learning curve is just huge. Sure. So fast, so big. Two examples. You know, it's just, it's, he is he is not he is not um, Andrew Luck. Okay. okay. And, Andrew, right. and don't oh. forget, and Andrew, Andrew Luck struggled. struggled. He struggled. And, and, and no, 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 no. He, he struggled. No. He struggled a lot. Only reason, only reason he had the right position, you know, yeah. but he struggled. And the only other person, Peyton Manning, struggled. He, he struggled. And his dad said to his point. Uh, to his point, oh. both of them said the same thing. Uh, Big Luck said he when, when he would talk to me, it would always be this move. Everything's moving too fast. He said, the told said, you need to slow down, and start breathing." He said, "You're not breathing. You you got you you try you you're trying to adjust. This is right. a guy that did everything right in terms everything, of what you're saying. Yeah, everything's coming at him a mile a minute. Right. You know, you know you, it's you, a different you, game. And that's you know, players talk about athletes talk about it, especially the stars talk about when they become superstars. You know, the game slows down. 
they just see everything almost like it's in slow motion. They can see the defense come at them. They know what's coming. They know how to adjust. It, they almost expect things to happen. They know how to right. react to it. And the perfect guy that you talk about this is in basketball, uh, which is your domain more than any. You think about LeBron James. You, oh, yeah. You talk about, you know, Mr. Savant in terms of the game. Oh, yeah. And I would say, suggest to some, even off the court, yeah. you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything. But by and large, it's hard to argue about that. But at, to your point is the fact, you talk about people that can break down a game in such a way that they see things that are taking place. So, as you said once, it's like somebody playing chess while somebody else is playing checkers. Yep. If you can understand the movement of individuals and you see slight things to give you a discourse, because Michael Strahan texted up him. Of course. Hey, that's right. Out there. Hall of Fame induction. He talked about that in regards to... Big sign on 45. Exactly. Uh, talked about that one of the things that was critical, and I did this in terms of a, uh, a lecture I gave today on a panel to my fellow faculty, and, and I was glad to have this opportunity. They asked me to speak about collegiality. Well, obviously, my framework is from sports, so I looked at one of the components uh, of the five that I did in one research paper that looked at sportsmanship. So I made the connection between the two. But the reason I said that is in his speech, he talked about one of the things that made him better is the fact that he got beat up by Eric Williams, another HBC there. <laughs> and the story resonated with me was from the framework that he said that he was losing to a game to Eric Williams, which was beating him down. Yeah. And he was mad and he talked about what he was gonna do to Eric the next game. <laughs> he said he realized that he was talking more out of frustration because he said in a lot of ways he still free with him. But at the end of the day all the things he said he was gonna do next and do that and do this, he he said Eric Williams told him, he said, Sometimes you gotta take your butt whooping like a man. And so what it made him do, he realized and said, That's right, I need to go get better. He got better. So part of this is the framework of understanding when we go back to LeBron James is understanding the game in such a way that you get better. As a rookie, you're not but supposed to have but so much talent in terms of understanding the game and the leap, as we say from high school, as you follow to college and then college to pro is tremendous. Yes. Real quick. Uh, apparently, earlier in the today, in the morning, during the Bronco Texans uh, Practices. Jadavion Clowney got injured, uh, left practice uh, about 35 minutes remaining in the practice. Team would not release this undisclosed injury. Uh, the general, John McClain, didn't believe it to be serious. Clowney could be seen in the team tent. Kind of sounded like he got his bell rung and he was just still doing precautions, you know, so no mention of the word concussion, anything like that. That's being released. So, but we'll see how it is. They practice again tomorrow, uh, Thursday, three days of practice with the Broncos, and have walked through on Friday before they play on Saturday. So, stay tuned with that. Hopefully it doesn't become something that lingers. <laughs> want to shift gears. We <laughs> touched on this a little bit, and we're going to touch on this until the, the name, the nickname is changed of the Washington NFL football team. It's changing? Former referee, I said until it's changed. Oh, okay. Former referee, Mike Carey, who, by the way, 
looks like us. <clears throat> Became the first African American referee to work the Super Bowl. Being now so, being in charge of the crew. Well, heck, that's what I'm referee. I mean, yeah, other yeah, positions yeah. are, yeah. you know, are yeah, yeah. linemen and side you know, edges, you know. So, that's yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell you. When we say work with the crew, we're talking about head guy. Lead, yeah. the, lead the crew. I, the I, I would get the crew. <laughs> yes. I, I would oh, get yeah. a headache and all the phone calls, a text, and all these shit. You let that go. Don't, don't let that go, man. Don't let that go. But he, he, uh, Washington Post reports today that since the 2006 season, Kerry, Mike Kerry requested to note to not referee as the head official the Washington NFL football team's football home games, their home games, and I believe some of their road games as well. He he wanted no part of them. Yeah, it, it was home and away. And uh, because he thought it was the nickname was something disrespectful. And a uh, few quotes from him: I know that if a team had a derogatory name for African Americans. I would help those who, who helped extinguish that name. I have quite a few friends who are Native Americans, and even if I didn't have Native American friends, the name of the team is disrespectful. So that's, he worked, he retired in 2013, 24 years in the NFL. So he took that stance. The NFL nor the Washington football team, uh, acknowledged they knew anything about it, acknowledged that they knew that Mike Carey had requested off you know, rather than not work those games. And Mike said that he, there wasn't a reason to tell anyone. Uh, he told a certain a specific NFL official who was in charge of scheduling yep. to take his name off there. But the final quote, because we all know, listeners know, we all know that the owner of the Washington NFL football team, and notice I am very consistent in not saying the nickname of my favorite team that has I had been 30 years, we know that Dan Snyder is adamant that he is not going to change the name. He was, he's going to in due time. This a matter of time. Talking about it's a term of honor and respect. Final quote from Mike Carey. I think sometimes evolution is slow for some people. But where else in America do you see that, though the refusal to change from Stanford on down, most everybody has changed from a derogatory name to one that is acceptable, end quote. Thoughts? I think it's uh, tremendous, and it tells you about the makeup of the man. Uh, first of all, he, he made sure in his thoughts that it didn't necessarily have the verbal. He, uh, he kept it internal, and that was his way of selling support of what he thought was wrong. And he you know, make it known at that time, continue to do his business. I think that's uh, big as a minority. You understand what might be the repository for making that decision and thinking that you're going to stand on that. And to come out now and tell this reason why, uh, I give them a lot of credit for being able to do that. I think that's a big deal. And a few days earlier this week, Tony Dungy and Phil Sims said they will not refer to the uh, nickname during their broadcast. Yeah. You know, on uh, NBC, NBC and CBS. CBS. And then right after that, you had the announcement that Fox, our main announcer, also said he was not going to use it. And that's obviously where most of uh, Washington's yes. uh, games will be held. So he may not realize it on the Snyder, uh, but I believe that uh, financially they get into a position 
where the norm is just saying that this is no longer acceptable. Unfortunately, you, in a lot of ways, the last thing I'll add, while you have these folks that are lying on this side to give um, some framework from another division, you had Mike Dicker come out with this anti-terminology uh, of Washington in regards to the liberal components of telling them that he sees that. <laughs> Easy <laughs> with it. <laughs> no, say what he said. No, I'm going to say what yeah. he said. I just wasn't going to use the term as you oh, said. I no longer you you use there the term, so I said Washington. But he called it anti uh, the term of the team. But he said the name debate is stupid and appalling, um, which just lets you know the framework uh, that Mike Dixon thinks. And I think that a lot, a lot of that has to do with individuals like himself that truly believe that. They come from a time frame where it was hard to tell them anything. And I'm just not saying as a European-American male, but I'm also talking about from a culture perspective uh, that played in that framework. You just don't tell them a lot. And they don't move. They're very rigid in their thoughts. And that's what it sounds like to me is this is a guy that is rigid, insensitive in a lot of ways. And while in many ways he, he's been lovable, as now what some people may see as a grandpa, I think it's just sad that uh, he has that disposition. But I think just like Snyder and the rest of the NFL owners, they'll find out that uh, if they want to continue to keep NFL at the top on all levels, not just in terms of selling merchandise to you, uh, that this is just getting too much negative plug where you have literally TV stations and people that call your game that won't even use uh, your team's nickname. Well, that, you know, I'll, I'll say this and I'll be done with it. The fact is he was, uh, that uh, uh, Mr. Kerry had been on the job long enough to have senior leadership to go and request that he not be assigned certain games. And in refereeing, you, you move up as a certain amount of time, yeah. you spend on each level before you move up to the next. He went to the highest level and then to the highest level. Uh, at that level. At that right. level. And was able to actually fax, email, uh, whatever to the assigner and say, take my name off all of these games. And they were probably prime time. You know, quite a few of those, especially that, you know, if he had been, as long as he's been refereeing. Yeah, well, you're talking about the NFC East with you know, Cowboys, the, Dallas, when, New York. They, it, it, yeah, 2006. Uh, that would have been Washington. 2013. Washington was on the beginning of starting to stink right. during that time, but that's still, especially the rivalry games against the Cowboys. That was that was yeah. Philadelphia, the three o'clock game. Right. Gonna, that was that was some a, of those games. a big TV window. And to, to say I'm not working those games, you can put somebody else in my spot. You know, I, if I'm at home that week, I'm just at home that week. But I'm not working that games at home all in a row. You know, it's that, and I have to give some credit on the other side is that the NFL oh, uh, respected his decision yeah. in making that call. And so while I'm concerned with the NFL continuing to support me, I do give him credit in regards to they allowed him to make that decision but did not uh, cut off his game or disenfranchise him anymore. The last thing I do have to say counter that in terms of that is to finish off on Mike Dicker to make sure that it's all out there. Uh, he also said that it was asinine, and the idea of this is this politically correct idiot 
And again, he blamed it on liberals. So I wonder what that makes him in his ideology. Yeah, delusional because apparently he believes that conservatives aren't idiots. They're idiots on both sides. That's pretty obvious. So, senior, so, senior, uh, listen to the side. What side do you want to be on about who's more idiotic than, than the other? Senior, you say you have senior, senior yeah. <laughs> I, that, there you go. That's what I want. I was looking for that. All right, gentlemen. It's been one of days. No, 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 no. You got 16 players on on the USA basketball men's team. Scoop Jackson asked one of them, who is the best basketball player alive right now? This gentleman said, quote, myself, end quote. <laughs> who was that? Who said that? I was seen as LeBron didn't play this summer. I don't know who the hell that is. I don't know who LeBron, the hell that is. No Kevin Durant back, backed out. We can talk about this That's real quick. You are correct, sir. James Harden really? said The guy that's... Mr. James Harden. And Scoop Jackson said, you, you made that to Harden's response. Scoop said, Scoop replied, you made that sound like it was an easy answer. Harden said, quote, it is. Myself. Best player alive. Now, to his credit. You got to think that. Doing you, that, too. You got to think that. You got to have the confidence in your abilities, in your, in your, your skills. And as I think I said, uh, previous podcast that he has played defense in this time with Team USA. In the the training camp in Vegas, he played defense uh, earlier tonight. I think the game was in the Garden versus Dominican Republic. He's playing both sides of the the floor. And playing under Coach K uh, may be the best thing for him in terms of understanding the importance of defense in regards to the team concept. I hope so. It's rubbing it's rubbing off, and I think Coach K's had influence. Coach Thibodeau and staff has had influence. Yeah. I think the other players. I think James personally. This is me talking. I think his pride was hurt during the playoffs because the last few months of the season in the playoffs, he was getting rolled. He was getting he was getting, getting rolled. Criticized, but he was not just rolled. He, he was getting rolled. He from was what it was on the court, but he's also getting criticized. He was, there was there were videos made of him about his Matador door defense. Yeah. There was like a 13 minute montage of Harden Olays on defense. So hopefully, or possibly, he took that to heart, and he's working on his defense because that's what the Rockets are going to need to. In their eyes, get beyond the first round of the playoffs in 2014-15 season, which I don't see. But Harden, being a, a great defensive player, starts first and foremost with wanting to be a great defensive player. Right. You got to want to guard folks. Right. I, you know, I say that all the time because exactly we we been on the road, travel many, 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 and, many and miles. Doc, he's actually seen me coach, <laughs> and and you and have to have I, if you don't have that effort. I don't want you. you I don't, want you, you sitting don't, on you the side. You don't play. You sit. And that's how I am. That's how I play. But I hoop. I won the best player. I took on. I took the challenge. I was. I was guard the best player on the team. Period. Yeah. Pickup game. I I got him. You know. And then I just for the most part locked them down because they. You can't play. Okay. Well. Next. Anyhow. <laughs> you know, I, I could hoop back in the day. You yeah. know. But uh, yeah, James Harden is confident in himself. Uh, they got 16 players. And cut down to 12 where it is now. Uh, Coach K said the final coach will be on, announced on Friday. 
Does Harden sounds make, like does oh, Harden no, make no, no doubt. He's gonna he's a starter. But it sounds like Pistons Andre Drummond's in one of those cuts. And apparently Chandler Parsons, who went from everybody thought a lot, especially when Paul George um it, with his injury and Kevin Durant quitting Team USA. Chandler Parsons now is on the bubble and may not make the oh. team. You have um That's interesting in many ways. Hey Rudy Gay He's starting to hang out now. Rudy Gay uh, was Instead invited to the team, and he's like, seemed like he's a lot now to make the team because he's had a previous time with UC basketball, and, and they do award loyalty. Plus, you know, skill set helps as well. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, <clears throat> they, but they should. I like that idea. So we'll see how that goes, and even Rocket Killer Damian Lillard, is, I think, is on on the bubble now. So we'll see. Trying to how much talent is it in really is. the NBA. I just, you know, I you thought about, about some of those names. Some of those names, you guys probably get cut. This is after some of your top talent never showed up, and then a couple of them left and a major injury, and you still had that type of name fighting for a spot. I thought about you this, this Sunday wow. after watching the uh, 18 and under. You saw a point? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. And you can move those, you can move that group two years down the road. To the uh, twenty and twenty-one year olds, and it still would be a problem. As we move out of this, before we get into the money and the business side of sports, well, no, let's do that first when we talk about professional basketball sure. in the NBA. You have it coming out that Kevin Durant is going to be offered, and many people heard about it on the number, but now the numbers are coming out. Indeed, it's going to be. At least two sixty five, maybe two eighty five for ten years. Which is slightly less because the initial reports via Twitter, what two weeks ago, maybe was three hundred million dollars. So you know, two eighty five. What's fifteen million? Between, you know, between yeah. between friends. You know, and still thirty million a year. You talking? Yeah, twenty six, twenty eight, point five a year. It's pretty nice gig. Does he leave Nike? Up to Nike, if they want to match it. You know, that seems that's quite a bit for Nike. Yeah, that's, you know, we're. Nike is. Where they are in the in the business, I don't think they have to keep. So, you know, we'll see. I, I, don't, but think, few, I don't think they do it. I think it's a brilliant move for them. Sure, no doubt. That side of the business. But we'll see. That's one of the the initial reason that Durant said for him leaving USA Basketball was he was tired and he just didn't feel like he could give his all. And then roughly two days later, uh, word started leaking out that it was because of a potential deal with Under Armour and they are not a affiliated with USA Basketball. That's a Nike affiliation. So, and it kind of indicates how highly the media thinks of Kevin Durant is that very few have questioned his motives for leaving and they, they really took him at his word and he was tired, etc. But Chris Sheridan at SheridanHoops.com who was the main national reporter to report that LeBron was going back to Cleveland was the main one once again to say that he, I mean, he called Kevin Durant a quitter. He said that he quit. He would say basketball, leave it for the Jay-Z money. Jay Z had a lot because Jay Z and his his uh, sports agency um, group um, apparently Jay Z and has started to rub some of KD's current sponsors the wrong way okay. in terms of getting new deals. A renewing contract that he currently has, so you may see more uh, action when Kevin Durant leaves and signs with new sponsors for sports.
sports drinks or you know other things like that. Be interesting to follow when you look at that. Oh business. yeah. But then you had the fact that it's out there talking about Jay Z is getting licensed to get in the boxing business as well. So Jay Z and Fifty Cent could can uh, you know go head to head in competition in the boxing promotion arena. Yeah, you know, it's because it's kind of it's, it's, it's kind of like you don't have any fighting amongst promoters and all at all anymore. Like you used to back in the day between uh, Aaron and uh, and Bob Aaron and Don King, yeah. And, you know, you don't yeah, have him, you don't have him, just thinking it's gonna be, you know, because Don uh, King and Bob. What's his name gets along with everybody? Golden Boy gets along with nope. pretty much. Nope, not anymore. Well, he it, and Richard Schaefer don't yeah. belong to get along. Something happened, but well, something did happen. Something them, happened. I don't know. If, and I, I don't have those contacts anymore. Uh, yeah, look, Richard back. Schaefer to uh, to probably start working more and more closely with uh, Money Mayweather. The other thing uh bring context that right down is people may not be comfortable with the money side of this, but Mona. Money. Monet, yep. Monet is getting it done. All I know is that Force that kid is throwing that she chunking that ball, yeah, man. She's she chunking that ball. She got she got beat up though today. Uh final score is they lost the Nevada eight one. She gave up three runs because she got moved to the first base yeah, like thirty. She got, so, gave yeah. up three runs, uh but she hit her pitch count. And they yeah. weren't really hitting the ball. And I think the coach made a pretty good decision because now they can bring him back. Because um, he's double, pitch again double elimination. Because so, yeah. they yeah. were both undefeated, double elimination. It should be interesting now. Now you got Chicago and Philly that are going to go at each other. Jackie Robinson, Chicago, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Playing some excited baseball. Uh, they eliminated the team in this area, Pearland. Right. Uh, the other night, uh, big game came from behind to get it done after they jumped out to the lead there and uh, played some very good baseball. A lot of people liking the skill set they're playing with, the love and and just the way they play the game. Oh, yeah. Cause... And then obviously you got the factor that it's different. You, know, you yeah. hadn't had young African-American men. And to that, I was happy to see that many teams make it that far that looked like us. Yeah, Chicago and the Team from Philly. Philly. City kids. Yeah. City in, kids. In, and I'm talking about real inner city kids. Yeah. We're not just talking about kids that are hanging on the edge of the Product, suburbs. No, yeah. Products of the good old school Major League Baseball. Products of the RBI program. And that, yeah. that tells me so that program is starting to work. Starting yeah. To yeah. work. Right. I agree with you totally. And so this is interesting to see for those that are still asking those questions about baseball to see how much of this will continue to make the next level. So at this point, I'm sure Major League Baseball it's smiling uh, from one side to the other. New commissioner coming in to see where he takes it and how much he continues oh. with our, our, the RBA program. And is he aligned with Bob Selig or the way he celebrated uh, Jackie Robinson days? Uh, what I took my students to the last few years, one was here in Houston and New York, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Major League Baseball Summit. Oh, okay. going to you know, continue those outreach programs. And obviously with the RBI program, Urban League Baseball, I'll be interested in that. Uh, but the other thing I had to say with how Monet is just capturing everybody being on the front page of Sports Illustrated, we were talking about, but they had 30,000 30, plus people watching this game. It was packed in the stands for this game. He has become a phenomenon. Merchandising, too. Yeah. Um, and I hope it works for Was anybody sitting in there and they grassed in the grass and all that? The whole thing was oh, going oh, yeah. in the back. Because okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't I didn't see the game today. No, I understand. That's why I'm giving you a picture. Before I came over to get the shot today, I actually called it part of the game. 
and it was it looked in fact to make the point home they had more folks at that game than you're getting at Astro games right now. Folks, see what happens when you do when you do well, do well, do well. When you market you market your stars. In a city. And that's one thing baseball might be does not do they don't market their stars. Middle school school districts, middle school. But you push basketball and football, middle school baseball. I agree with you. Uh, that's one of because the there's a lot of money to be made in baseball. Yeah, that's one argument. Guaranteed you money. Longer, too. I think that's one argument that I hadn't heard people put on the platform with all the things that the baseball is. One of the things I think that makes major base, major league baseball season is having a major problem with is the fact that they're not getting the support from the school districts to offer the sports at the middle school or junior high level. And if you're going to change the real dynamic of what's going on mm-hmm. uh, with what you're allowed to do with football and, and basketball, uh-huh. starting at the middle age and you start to separate them, because you see the platform is there in Little League. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got and you and you can run with that year-round, just like you do with everything else. How have you – I'm shifting gears here. And, well, real quick, don't forget, Monet has also said – that she wants to play her, her college ball basketball for Gino at UConn. So don't forget I that. Heard that. Don't forget that. Right. Right. And they say she minute, actually I'm does play basketball better than she yeah. plays baseball. You know, she talked about that. The question was because it, it was a look. It was almost like, what did she just say? Part of the WNBA. What did she just say? She just went from baseball to basketball in, in one sentence. What? And it was almost like, wow. Because basketball was her first. That's her first. First love. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine, you know. I just happened to say she was walking on the street and seeing the guys playing baseball. When she was at college, she just picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing. Because I, I think the coach we, asked her to pitch. Because right. that wasn't a first position. She just picked it up. I wanted to do that. I want to play with you. Yeah. So, yeah, keep that in mind. So, in a few years, she'll be uh, part of the train, the new the new train, the yeah. of the train of UConn. Probably be the leader of the train the by that time. How about this for a possible reason? Of a game being postponed, I guess postponed if not canceled. Volcanic eruption. That has to be Hawaii. Out of, out Incorrect. America. Incorrect. Out of, out of America. South America. Incorrect. UCF, a member of the American Athletic Football Conference. You got my attention. Scheduled to play Penn State in Ireland. Oh. Nah. But because of a possible volcanic eruption in Iceland, ah, the game travel may came be up a on problem. My weather alert. No. To get there, wow. <laughs> came up on my weather alert this weekend. They're so, getting rumbling. Iceland, yeah, they've had evacuated 500 people in the highlands part of of the glacier near the volcano, installed as a precaution. But Iceland is separated from Ireland. By about 900 miles, yeah. but a volcanic eruption in Iceland could produce the volcanic ash, which could affect the flights to Europe, as it happened in 2010 when a whole bunch of thousands of flights were canceled. So keep yeah. that in mind. Yeah, with some sad notes to kind of go with that. Probably, obviously, not that tragic when you're talking about human individuals. You're just talking about potential, but we need to get this out here from the standpoint. Uh, that you had Penn State mourning the death of uh, starting center Mitchell, uh and his tragedy. And then you also have 
what many people of Ohio State view as a tragedy, tragedy or with uh, Braxton Miller being ruled out from the 2014 season, uh, re-injuring his shoulder that he hurt in the Orange Bowl game this year, which is quite sad. And then you have the fact that Chilling um, believes that uh, the tobacco that he chewed during his life has led to the cancer that he's fighting now for ministry. On the bright side, uh, in regards to cancer, uh, the doctors have talked about Jim Kelly has no evidence of cancer at this time, so we'll leave it on a positive note in terms of this new Houston Gamblers medical. quarterback, Jim Kelly. And I'm going to tell back you, folks, day, back in the day, I hung out. That's all I'm going to say, and I'm going to let it go like that. We all hung out. That's a story for that's a story for off the we podcast. All, that's right. right. There. We, we all might have to leave that off the record, but we'll let you tell that story once we turn this. Okay. Yeah. Now, but to another positive, <laughs> but to a positive note on the college level, Ohio State will still be a factor, a major you factor. Heard it here first. I'm not too sure about that. People. They will Nor be a I. factor. Someone else wrote that. I've they that will be a factor. Year. A factor in what? The Big Ten. No, a factor in the national scheme of things. Yeah, well, that has to be the Big Ten because be a fun, one of the final four. All right, the Big Ten. Okay. And another thing I'm I'll talk just about, saying. which is which is odd, and I know we come with to a, a Texas close. connection. And who is it? Don't want to say the name, man. When the Big Five autonomy came out with this thing, uh-huh. you know, and we got two conferences showing the muscle to be interesting to see who went out with the other three conferences. Uh, ACC and SEC say they don't view B. BYU is a power five team. I can't believe the Pac-12 will do that. They're too close in terms of needing scheduling. And then I think teams in the Big 12 being as close as Texas want to play them. I can't see that either. And if the Pac-12 and the Big 10, the Big 12 doesn't do it, I don't think the Big 10 will do it either. Uh, but it'll be interesting that you're already starting to get this mix of differences between and to see how these Power Five align on different issues. Because remember, when they vote on stuff, that's right. While they had an autonomy, they need to have certain thresholds in terms of three conferences with a lower percentage vote, or two conferences with a higher percentage vote to get things passed. So it's going to be interesting to see how these conferences are starting to align. It looks like you see a SEC, ACC alignment. You obviously have the natural Big Ten, the Pac-12 alignment. Where is the Big 12 going to fit in that schematic? Remember, though, in terms of the alignment, you have that one alignment in terms of the new bowl alignment, which is between the Big 12 and the SEC right. at the end of the year. Right. So how will this play out in terms of the schematic when rules and decisions start to be made? This is my final. It's going to make strange bedfellows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No question about it. You talking about JT Barrett? Are you talking about? Yes, sir. Why, sir? Who was he? He is a young man Uh-oh. that went to. Where is he from? He's, is it Love or Lovelet? You tell me how they pronounce it. Um, you're looking at it right now. I'm not. But, but he and he went to the he for, went to uh, to the. He's from Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, to the one of the one of the big quarterback camps. Came in, you know, his name was out there, but he hadn't established himself. He established himself during the uh, during the camp. Stepped out, left as number one uh, in the top five, got hurt, finished out, and then got uh, went to uh, moved over to Ohio State, and that and as a rehab, since they, they already had um, Bartlett, um, was it Bartlett? 
Braxton Miller? Braxton Miller had him uh, already in, in, in position. They just went and just, just he registered uh, and played behind him and kind of like this, didn't like the system. Because we all know Urban Meyer's system is pretty up tempo, strain, spread, get on, you know, get it up, go, let's boom. And now that he's no, he is is his is 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 his baby. He's in charge. He'll he'll probably be instituted into the system and number one guy when they when they break out next week, and it'll be interesting. But I know one thing for sure: you folks at Michigan, y'all got no shot. Oh, oh, oh! oh. No shot. Okay, what is this? It is August twentieth. <laughs> Write this down now. You got no Write this down. No shot. Being in the in the in the pitch in that picture. Okay. Wow. The first rock has been tossed. Oh yeah. By the Wildcat. How can folks find you on Twitter? (laughs) They can find me at JLW1 on Twitter and uh, TweetDeck, Facebook. You can find me Jerry Lee Woodley Jr. YouTube. You can find me. The College Sports Report, same place at blogger, blogspot.com. Yes. Wildcats Michigan has no shot. They got no shot. November 29th, and Columbus, Notre Ohio. That's right. You say they got no shot. They got no shot. <laughs> oh, give them a shot. Okay. They, no shot? No shot. You said it. No you shot. Said, no. Not, uh, we believe it. All right. Okay. Okay. Now, according to the Ohio State website, JT is from went to Ryder High School in Texas. I guess I assume that's in Texas. But let me show you. Let me people, people, listeners. You we know me. football is king in the state of Texas. Ohio football is king in that state. Part of the bio for Mr. Barrett on the Ohio State Buckeyes website, rated as the number eleven prospect. In talent rich Texas. Nothing else needs to be said. Talent rich Texas. I like that. On the Ohio State Buckeyes website. That's why the Wildcat says Michigan has no No shot. (laughs) (laughs) No shot. Okay. Write this down. I want I want one podcast listener in particular to Uh remind us. Come November 29th, week before that game, days before that game, <laughs> what the Wildcats said. And then after that game, if Michigan goes into Ohio and wins that ball game, to remind the Wildcat of his words. No shot. He's sticking to him, too. No shot. Okay. Doc, how can folks find you? They can find me on Facebook. <laughs> I love these podcasts, man. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can find me with uh, TSPN with my top 10 reports. You can also go to the Houston Round Ball Review. I'll be releasing the top 10 football poll uh, in regards to the basketball season. You'll get the mid-major and major division basketball poll on the Houston Round Ball Review. For the football poll, you'll get it on TSPN Sports. You can go to the College Sporting News, do a weekly report on HBCU Sports. And obviously now you can follow me on www.kcohradio.com. 
from 7 to 8 every Tuesday with the HBCU Sports Report. 7 to 8 Houston time. And that is Central Time. 7 to 8 Central Time in Houston. That's what we go by here. And so with that, again, you can tell that Maryland hit the big money tree. And they come up and said they're offering lifetime scholarships to their athletes. Got about yeah. I want to acknowledge that, and we're going to talk about is that Labor with, Day Classic. Is that, is that uh, with with yeah. chair type uh, uh scholarship? All sports. All sports. Oh, all sports. Huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's that's hitting it. That's hitting the mother load. Yes, that's all of Because the three of us understand what real money is, and that's real money. So. Oh, oh, by the way. You'll see more schools start to go forward oh, yeah. as this comes out. The big uh, time programs. Doc, don't for- Southern Cal kind of right. jump on board. You'll start to see the rest. Don't forget, Doc, you're 8.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. Doc will be giving us a, a swag, MEAC report with Devin. This is upcoming Saturday. Yeah, ready. 8.30 on Saturday 9. morning, 9. folks. 8.30 on Saturday morning. I'll be ready to go giving that report. So, yes, I'm... Very fortunate now. I'm all over the radio with different. Oh, it's it's time for you, Doc. It's, it's, it's time for you. It's time to get this thing going, and I, I appreciate uh, all that y'all have done to support what I'm trying to get done. Thank you. KTSU's website is what? I want to get it right. www.ktsu.org. I thought so. Okay. Say that again. Say that again. www.ktsu.org. And kudos to everyone. In charge, who put who put together Texas Southern Media Day, airing on KTSU. Yes, Chatterbox, Larry Chatterboxell, the legendary Chatterboxell for a lot of folks that does uh, the radio broadcast for TSU Sports under the leadership of the new general manager. Uh, they brought it. They brought it for lunch. Uh, they did a live broadcast remote for the football kickoff and I thought it was a beautiful job. You can listen to me. Uh, another report, I'm trying to be the hardest working man in the business for HBCU Sports if you would. I'll be working with Larry Chatterbox Hell to give you a HBCU report that we'll bring weekly with his takes and to give you that prior to the KTSU broadcast of the game and we are planning to distribute that such a way that it's syndicated going nationwide. Outstanding, outstanding. Once again, I want to thank you for your con- t- continued prodding a few 18 months ago or so about joining our podcast. I really do. Because at the time, I wasn't, Wackhead nor myself were, in, were really, neither one of us were in a good spot, ready to do things. We finally got to that point. Uh, that we could do these, and you've added a lot to our podcast. So I want to thank you very much for your for your time, your, your support. I'm going to say thank you for the opportunity and your your insight. And uh, KTSU 90.9, we all know that in a town, but for the listeners, KTSU 90.9 on the terrestrial, on the terrestrial side, yes. You can look for it on the internet. <laughs> go, go you know, every week. But yeah, next I, next every podcast, week. I want us to to focus. I won't say how. How much of a percentage, but focus on the Labor Day Classic because that'll be days away sure. after our podcast. Game will be August 31st, Sunday in NRG Stadium. Kickoff is at what time? Five o'clock. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. And I believe I'm, I'm hoping that all three of us will, will be in attendance. 
So uh, we'll find out about that. But we're going to talk about it. If not, we just break down Mr. Young Ryan. Well, At least that will. We'll, we'll no, get I, there. You know, trust me, we'll be in we'll the be there. I can, I can say that with all confidence. Because and Prairie View's having their uh, Monday. I'll be there. Is it the media day? Is yeah, part of the Labor Day Classic stuff? This is part of the Labor Day Classic. It's going to be at the stadium. They, they, it's going to be at the uh, stadium, right? Are operating the Labor Day Classic right. this year. So they run it, so it'll be these days, and so it won't be an independent media day. It'll be a joint venture. Okay. It's CSU and Prairie View kind of kick off things. Are we? Are, are they Both having? teams are going to be pretty talented, so this game should be pretty entertainment. Both teams, uh, particularly with Prairie View, are going to be offensive. It'll be interesting to see what CSU's defensive side can try to do to stop Prairie View's offensive side. I like what so, I heard. Listen to CSU's uh, media day from uh, the players. And coach. Yeah, so about we'll the have defense a lot of good things to talk about in terms of naming some players, some positions to get y'all up to date with everything you want to know about the Labor Day Classic. Lastly, local, te- uh, locally, um, and I'll be done with this. You should have brought this up, young man. But I, I, I get on it because I, I hear it before the week is out. Online CBS Sports, Dennis Dodd uh, wrote a nice article about the U of H Cougars looking to become more nationally relevant this year as more of the emphasis on where they where the program wants to be and where they hope to be and their sights are set on a New Year's uh, New Year's Day bowl, not a Eve. I missed that and I followed in this on on uh, Twitter. Well so you know uh, sometimes you, you get came, busy. It came out at lunchtime so you know I was uh, so I was feeding my face apparently instead of following my man. <laughs> And his uh, tweet. And, and he, had, like, he had a couple of articles. Yeah. Uh, will Chris Peterson uh, make, uh, bring his, his boys in magic work to Washington? And uh, only time will tell. Because we know what, we, what he was able to do once he got to Boise. Yeah, I think you he's know? a very solid coach. But let me say this. See, put him in the mix. But Big 12 is, I mean, the Pac-12 is oh, solid yeah, they, they, they're getting they, better. Uh, with the TV money they're gonna get, he's gonna have his work cut out for him. With Wildcat, uh, thank you for acknowledging UCLA. the article mentioning the Cougars by Mr. Dodd. Uh, I did a search for Mr. Dodd, and he got me his articles for the last few days. He has a different take than you regarding Ohio State and Braxton Miller. Okay. End of an era, Big Ten hopes and playoff dreams. Okay. Braxton Miller's season-ending injury changes everything at Ohio State. Okay. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Anyhow. Okay. I get your points. I'm sticking by what and I see. That's good. That's good. That's that's why you are a part of these podcasts, my man. That's Absolutely. one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons. That's, and that's why I think the listeners enjoy the camaraderie and the interaction and the fun that we have in our podcast. You can tell that we get along during the podcast as well as off the podcast. And um, that's why I encourage, we encourage you to tell your friends about the podcast, tell your friends to listen on iTunes, tell your friends to start tweeting us questions and comments, uh, tell your friends to share thoughts with us on our podcast Facebook page, KG Fifth Water Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. We're on SoundCloud, getting good response on SoundCloud. We're getting, we're going, we're, we've got sponsors now. We're going to start getting more and more people following us. We're working on that as well. Football season is upon us. I think I may have surprised some listeners with my knowledge about football. 
I do know more than basketball people. Trust and believe on that. You know, I do read. <laughs> and that's the key. I do read. That's the key. Yes. That's the key. That's the key. Oh, and by the way, um, it's, it's something that the leave or because it's been on my mind and all since I found out about it. Uh, what some folks had some issues and everything. I've been listening on some national uh, up north. What Notre Dame and Stanford does is it possible for any schools on the Big Five conferences? Are they capable outside of Vanderbilt? Are they capable of doing basically the same thing and still contending on on that level, like the Alabamas, the Ohio State, the LSU's? On an academic school. level, yeah, being good academically, and yeah, heck, even Notre Dame doesn't do what Stanford does last few years. Uh, Notre Dame has lowered their their standards slightly. Not to the point to where it was when Uncle Lou was there. No, but they have lowered them, you know. Yeah, so no, I know uh, Stanford is a Stanford Vanderbilt. Stanford Stanford stands alone. Yeah. Vanderbilt. Absolutely. It's not even close. Stanford is, is a cut above everybody because they're good in all mm-hmm. athletic, all their sports. I don't think. I don't, I don't, so no. I don't think it'd be done. I think you have the one of the problems with North Notre Dame. It's not only the academic side, but where it's located in the Midwest. You, know, you compare that to students that want great education, want to play sports. Uh-huh. You're going to go to Stanford, uh-huh. and you're going to Notre Dame. Well, hey, I'm going to the Big S. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you that. The only other schools that can stand with them in terms of the academics of what you're talking about, not just staying private, but truly academic, is Northwestern. Uh, it has a reputation uh-huh. in terms of academics. Rice. Which is not in the Power Five, so they can forget it. Okay. Down the build, down the build is in the worst position of all of them nope, because true. of where they are in terms of the non-private institutions uh, and what they do. Lack of academics uh-huh. in regards to recruiting players. Uh-huh. And then you go to ACC. You're talking about Duke, uh, Wake Forest. Okay. No. Okay. The other schools that can get in that framework. But don't uh, let me it, tell you, Syracuse. I take that back with Syracuse being the ACC now. They're yeah. academically in the framework of a Duke, Wake Forest to that level. Okay. Uh, with uh, Boston College, but no, they can't get it done. The teams that may be able to get it done, they're not really academically there with Stanford, in my opinion, which would be Baylor, and I don't think they can. TCU, I don't think they can in Miami because of historical reference. But if you look at where they are, same thing with private schools, yeah. but. In terms of your measurement, in terms of academic pedigree, they're not on the level of those previous teams I talked about. So and that's your question is no. Yeah. And it will be interesting, can Stanford maintain this? And that is where I want to go. USC comes back. USC and is one that you might want to keep your eye on. And that's a and private school, folks. in California. It is a private school. It is highly recognized in terms of the academic pedigree. They do take a lot less number of athletes in terms of the academic, but they have the history to do it. And so that's probably the only team I would say that. But as you see, UCLA stepping it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Arizona uh-huh. to some degree, Arizona State even maybe. Washington now. It'll be interesting to see uh, can those schools in terms of Stanford and USC maintain what they're doing. The only one I would say of all the ones I named, and is in that thought process academically and athletically, historically to get it done, is USC. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up, as I always do. 
In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.